Have you ever stopped to think about yourself and your story? If someone were to write your memoir, what would it say? We all seek some level of authenticity, but have trouble removing the labels and finding our whole story. Welcome to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. In this program, we'll explore diverse stories on identity to help determine what is truly yours. Now, here is your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. We're here with Barbara McNally, author of a bold, brave new book called Four Faces of Femininity, Heroic Woman Throughout History. Uh, I can tell you that it's a new day here in America, and we're awakening to ask the question of whether we can summon the lover and empath in all of us to feel the compassion for human suffering that's going on, and the um, sense of people being uh, repressed in our country um, through the use of force. So it's a very timely book. It's a book that takes a look at our aspects of ourselves and how we can activate them, how we can motivate ourselves to become the people that we need to be in our time. Good morning and welcome, Barbara McNally. Thank you, Diane. I'm happy to be on your show and talk about the four faces of femininity and how we as women can help and feel like we're needed and useful during this time. Absolutely. it's. Um, I think we're going to play a vital role as will men, and I think men can probably tap into these archetypes as well. Uh, four Faces of Femininity is published this spring by She Writes Press, and in it we discover the key archetypes, mother, lover, warrior, and sage, and these can be activated by events uh, as well as animate us in these times. Uh, thank you for this great new book. It's a tool for rebooting ourselves and taking charge of our individual and collective pathways. Uh, it's a twofold toolkit, the archetypes that Barbara describes and cites 43 uh, real-life people uh, throughout history, women who um, are then categorized in these different um, archetypes. And the other thing that Barbara gifts us with, in addition to to this new way of seeing ourselves is the role modeling, right, Barbara, that we, uh, through role models, we witness the bravery and the kinds of judgment that other people used to motivate themselves to become active agents of change in history. Um, the book uh, is as I say, based around the concept of archetypes. And these, for those of you that need a refresher, as I did, um, archetypes form the basis for all of our unlearned and instinctive behavior. Um, it comes from the Jungian concept of the collective unconscious, which is the reservoir of our shared human experience. So that when we have an intuition about something, it's matching up to these patterns that are just lodged in our unconscious out of reach. Uh, the powerful symbols about femininity, such as the femme fatale, um, like Marilyn Monroe, that was both she was both a sex pod and an accomplished actress. Barbara delves into the multifaceted uh, role of all of these women, how they tap into different archetypes all at once. Um, and so I think now I would just like to invite Barbara, you've written this book, it's a rare gift. What is your working definition of an archetype? 
Oh, great. Yes, I think you defined it really well. Yeah, it's it's in our DNA, um, the lover, that passion for life. It's not just sensual and sexual, but it's that passion for anything, for dancing or um, whatever our passion is. And, and if we lose that, you know, that's what we call old curmudgeons, right? So we want to alive that young lover within. The, the nurturer, the caregiver, um, not only for our own children, but I gave examples of women who didn't have children, such as Oprah, who opened an orphanage, um, Jane Goodall, who cares for Mother Earth. So I gave examples of nurturers, not necessarily women who procreated. Um, and of course, the warrior is the hardest for women to identify with, and that's because we don't want to come on as a fighter, and most of us haven't served in the military, but the warriors that that inner strength and feminine quality that we can set a goal and achieve it and set healthy boundaries. Um, <laughs> then the sage, is, as you were speaking about, our intuition, our intellect, our spiritual side, the wise woman within. And we don't need to be old to be wise. Um, hopefully we do gain wisdom throughout the years, but I give examples of young women to show that we can tap into that intuition, that wise woman at any age. So examples I gave were Anne Frank, who she hadn't written her diaries. No one would, a lot of people would not know about the horrific, um, you know, genocide of the Jews. And then um, Amala, I mean, uh, sorry, Malala of Pakistan, um, who was shot by the Taliban and was the youngest girl to win a Nobel Peace Prize for standing up against the Taliban and writing about that. She says, one woman, one pin, one book can change the world. So these are the four faces of femininity highlights women who throughout history saw injustice and led the way to new freedoms and equality. I wanted women to be able to identify with these qualities in when we see it in other people, they're mirrors for us. We can see those qualities within ourselves. It's very empowering for sure. And I do um, think it's important that you touched on the issue of the warrior aspect and how women shy away from that kind of power um, and accepting in themselves that they do have power. I think that this book contributes to that equation in terms of showing women who were empowered because they didn't have a guidebook. They had no idea the way forward, but they created it and developed it as they went along. I also think this idea of witnessing, I mean, we're looking now at Black Lives Matter as an essential component in the health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health of our nation. And I think that, you know, we have to bear witness, even if some of us have lived a life of white privilege. It's very important, I think, to bear witness, uh, and that's what you've done. So I'd like to offer the um, the archetype uh, profiles that you covered in your book who were, in fact, African-American women. Um, you did, as you say, uh, look at Oprah Winfrey and her mother, she is she is in the mother category. The soul who nurtures is your definition. Any aspect rooted in empathy and caregiving, healing and selflessness belongs to the mother archetype. So Oprah Winfrey is there, and as is Michelle Obama, two fantastic 
nurturing women. Um, you know, Michelle Obama with her Get Moving crusade and planting the garden at the White House, the vegetable garden, Oprah Winfrey with her school, her academy for girls uh, in South Africa, and clearly education being the, you know, access to education being one of the huge barriers to growth of uh, African-American women. So I, I do want to touch on this idea that, you know, in your estimation, Barbara, the mothering, it's not necessarily individual and personal. It can be public and very collective. Is that also part of this? Right. We are all nurturers and many women today choose not to have children of their own and there's other ways to nurture. So yes, nurturing Oprah, we call her the TV mom because she was on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, kids would get home, and a lot of them were latchkey and watch Oprah. Um, she, and in the book, I feature things a lot of people didn't know about Oprah, that she came from extreme poverty. Um, she suffered sexual abuse. She had a child as a teenager and then lost it. And she went through so many hurdles to become who she was today, and it gives us hope that when we see other people overcome challenges, that we can overcome challenges that we face within ourselves. And yes, there's many examples of nurturers, and there are two black women in the mother section. Another woman that I wanted to highlight today was Jane Addams, because Jane Addams was the mother of social work. And she came from, she was white and came from a life of privilege, but she started the whole house which was an immigrate, a home for immigrants. And back then it was for the Irish and the Russians. And then it became for Mexicans, black Americans. But um, she started the pretty much the, the mother of social work, our social work system in the U S and what's unique about her is that she came from a life of privilege and she was white. So it's like really inspiring that somebody that can have a lot can still care for, for other people. And, I also feature, because I was listening to your show before, um, Anne Ryan, who Rand, who has a different view of survival of the fittest, kind of. So I do feature women that are both conservative and liberal, but the point is that they all had a voice, a platform, and changed the world. So we, it doesn't matter what our viewpoints are, it's important to to look at what other people came from and what they do, and I say, like, who you identify with in this mirror of this book is you have that quality too. And you can, if it's social work or if it's becoming a libertarian, what, what are you identifying with? And then use that to make your mark. Absolutely. And I think connecting those dots, it's really what resonates with you as a person. And I think that it's these stories are transformative, whether it's the person who came from privileged and transformed her sense of entitlement into, wait a minute, I don't feel comfortable with this without addressing inequality in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Or, or, as you say, um, and with poignancy, the very personal stories of Oprah Winfrey and what she overcame and how she transformed her personal pain into a kind of um, public persona who, while she hasn't always been political, does address 
I think at an underlying level, the need for empathy and warmth and connectivity in our society. The next um, segment is the lover. And this was very interesting to me. Um, You say, consider the diversity of love within you. And I think about the old um, definitions we had, platonic, altruistic, romantic, um, and to give those equal footing. So you have the comment that expressing and celebrating sensuality uh, in a traditional sense is a core component of your inner lover. So you go to Madonna, for example, and her book on sex, but also um, sex being the biggest selling coffee table book in the history of coffee table books. Um, and then you go to a very interesting adventurer, Bessie Coleman, an African-American woman who was called the fervid flyer. And Bessie Coleman said, the air is the only place that is free from from prejudice, which I thought was really magnificent, the way she found a space to escape to, and maybe other women do as well in their writing space, or in their music space, or in their poetry space, or in their political space. Um, So I think there has been an evolution where, you know, at one point, several generations back, it really was only women of privilege who could afford the time had the exposure or had the access to become speakers and develop a voice. And now, thank goodness, there have been enough role models, many of whom are illustrated in your book, that have allowed others to say, wait a minute, I'm empowered too. I can empower myself and I'll learn through these examples um, how to do that. Uh, So in the warrior Uh, context then, Barbara, I really looked at this chapter very uh, seriously. There were in this chapter no uh, African-American women, and I wondered if you thought that would change um, and whether it's changing even now. Oh, that's a good question. Well, I would have to say the hardest thing about writing this book was actually pigeonholing them into mother, lover, warriors, or sages. So many of these women could have been in the warrior section. For example, Bessie Coleman was the first woman ever, not just first black woman to fly. So she was definitely a warrior. She had grit, she had a goal, and she found a way to do it. Even coming from poverty, her parents were sharecroppers, and she was one of 13 children. Um, Oprah could be seen as a warrior, too. Um, I, yeah, so <laughs> I think a lot of these women, I could have um, re- put them in the warrior category, but um, I just had to kind of, I was trying to just, because most people think of a warrior as military, so I put like Cleopatra as the first warrior, and Tammy Duckworth, who is our today warrior, who legs yes. were blown off in Afghanistan, and she says, I may not get my legs back, but it's given me a platform to talk about what matters to me, and that's important. So the warrior is when we're taking something horrible that happens and how we can turn it into a positive, how we can fight for what's important. And everybody has a different cause to fight for. We can't fight for every cause. But just because on the news it is about um, Black Lives Matter, um, it is great to highlight these African-American women because um, – 
as a white person myself, it's good to learn about their culture. And as role models, anyone who picks up the book who's African-American, there's five women in here that are great role models, mentors, uh, women of respect, women who, you know, broke that glass ceiling. So um, I'm... I put as many inspirational women as I could, and, and it was hard to pick which category to put them in. I love that. Um, I think what you're really saying is that there's so much crossover. Oprah belongs here. Um, Michelle Obama belongs here. There are so many um, aspects to, there. you know, you can't pigeonhole. It's like pigeonholing um you know, a personality, there are so many aspects. And at different times in our lives, you say, uh, which I think is very enlightening, because even as we try to maybe pigeonhole ourselves, you know, there are different stages of our life where certain archetypes are activated, where, you know, we may start out as a maiden or a lover, and then work toward becoming uh, a warrior or in times of crisis, you know, you you don't know uh, how strong a woman is, she's like tea, right, until she gets in hot water. Um, And Eleanor Roosevelt is in this book. I think, I think it's really just a kind of uh, formality and almost a semantic kind of thing that this this chapter, you know, there are so many crossovers. And the the way that archetypes work is that you can dip in and dip out of them as the need arises in your life and in our times. Uh, I, I also um, agree with you very much that the Black Lives Matter um, crucible that we're in is informing us a great deal about, about the Black experience, African-American experience, and wow, uh, what an eye-opener it is, and I think it will serve to act, activate the warrior in in many of us, um, or hope to find the place where we can tap into the lover empath in ways that will make us mm-hmm. deeply compassionate for this, for this experience. So, on to the sage, and this is one that I truly loved. Um, your own sage, you say, is that part that intuits, trusts, and follows her instincts. She uses her platform. Her wisdom keeps her grounded and clear-eyed. So you cite Madam C.J. Walker, who was a self-made millionaire and founder of the Walker System. So this is an African-American entrepreneur, right, who developed... I think for the first time in history, um, beauty products, hair products that specifically address the needs of African-American women who were previously shoehorned into what worked for everyone else. And it's not a one size fits all. So there was the Walker system was a shampoo, pomade and a hot comb. Uh, she developed factories and training centers um, and brought other people along with her um, as entrepreneurs, which I think is so fantastic. Um, and then I thought a great one, a great person that you cited is the author Octavio Butler, who was the godmother of futurism. And Octavio said, I was attracted to science fiction because it was so wide open. I was unable to do anything, and there, there, I was un, I was able to do anything, and there were no walls to hem you in. There was no human condition that you were stopped from examining. So I think what we're going to do, we're going to take a short break here, um, and when we come back, we're going to look at some of these walls that these individuals broke through, and how it's impacted us today. We're here with Barbara McNally, author of Four Faces of Femininity. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to ddewey at truenordmedia.com. That's the letter D, dewey at trunordmedia.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Barbara McNally, author of the book, newly released, Four Faces of Femininity, published by She Writes Press. And we were talking before the break about Octavio Butler, uh, the godmother of futurism. I think it's so interesting um, in the feminist vein that, uh, you know, to go into the sciences and to write about science um, does blow things wide open because there is more of an equal playing field. Um, and she said that she was able to do anything without walls to hem her in. Uh, Octavio was the recipient of a MacArthur Foundation Fellowship in 1995, also a pioneer. Um, and her books, in case you don't know, I'm just going to mention them. Pattern Master, Mind of My Mind, Survivor, Wild Seed, Clay's Ark, Kindred, Bloodchild. Sci- um, and these were winners of the scientific, um, the Hugo Award, the Science Fiction Chronicle, Exogenesis Trilogy, Dawn, Adulthood Rights in Imago, The Parable of the Sower, and Parable of Talents uh, in the late 90s. So this, this is a woman who really needs to be highlighted um, for what she did in opening the voice of women in terms of writing. And here we have a great example in Barbara McNally, who I believe... Um, serves as a living example of what you talked about, Barbara, of overcoming um, odds and 
difficulties in your life, I'm going to give um, a really more traditional um, introduction to Barbara McNally. She is the author of uh, Unbridled, a soulful memoir of personal liberation and wounded warrior, wounded wife, which is a firsthand account of a woman thrust into the of women thrust into the role of caregiver when their spouses return from the battlefield with major wounds. These stories inspired the launch of Barbara McNally Foundation, which offers seminars, scholarships, and workshops dedicated to enhancing the lives of women. Barbara is a licensed physical therapy who make, therapist who makes her home in Southern California, where she juggles the responsibility of being a mother, lover, warrior, and sage. I think it's great that you talk about that juggling. Um, and Barbara says... Um, in her introduction to Four Faces of Femininity, the years that followed, um, which, you know, was a, she was all set, right? She had this promising career as a physical therapist and a marriage to her college sweetheart. But she says, the years that followed brought huge, bittersweet changes. I strayed from my marriage and divorced my husband. I followed in the footsteps of my late grandmother and took a life-changing trip to Ireland, the land of my ancestors, where I danced with horsemen and commands uh, and, com and, um, and communed with priestesses. So I, I find, Barbara, that you are one of the women who has transformed, transformed their experience and brought out really the best of yourself. Um, and Unbridled came from this experience as well as the Wounded Warrior Foundation. This is something that is hugely relevant right now. We're looking at police force um, dynamics, the post-traumatic stress element, and their caregivers coping. Uh, you've also given us guidance in that regard, and you're to be commended. In that aspect, what kinds of archetypical energies do you think are operative for women in these roles? Oh, well, that's, that's a great question. Well, I think one of them, were, we were talking about the sage before break, and our sage is the wise woman. So first thing is to learn, and a good way to learn is to read. And I'm glad you brought up Octavia Butler because um, most people don't know about her, especially if we're white. And I highlighted her, and even my daughter said, I'm not interested in reading that. And it's funny, after this crisis, she's interested now because Octavia Butler talks about the African-American experience and she's a bestseller so the blacks are asking that whites learn about their culture so she is one woman that now i'm so glad that you talked about her that's more relevant than ever her work and so that's one perspective and the other perspective is empathy for those going into the police force they say no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop and i've gotten working with the military and wounded warriors i've worked with post-traumatic stress syndrome, caregivers, their wives that um, deal with the injuries and the horrible experiences these men go through. And the police force is no different. So this is a time to maybe learn more about the police force too. And you could learn about it through Wounded Warrior, Wounded Wife, which is more military stories, but their experiences are, are sometimes very similar. Being in positions where it's you or me and, and, keeping ethical, and it's just a very difficult job that really not very many people want to go into the military or the police force. 
and it ends up the people that, you know, maybe can't afford a college education go in. So there's a lot of empathy there, too. Um, so the Wounded Warrior, Wounded Wife is more about post-traumatic stress. And I just encourage the women out there to right now tap into that stage, you know, turn the news off and really read about these cultures and mm-hmm. even get into them. There's so many actions we can take. Like I started a foundation and a support group for caregivers to help with the post-traumatic stress. Um, we could be a big sister in the African-American community. There's a lot of action to take, but I think the first thing right now is to, yeah, tap into our sage, um, read and see what, what fits us personally, what, what cause we care about. And that will give us the energy, the passion, and then the grit to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. The inner stories of these women, I think it's it's tremendously important. And Octavia Butler, I think, was critical. Um, and I, I love this trajectory that you're on, Barbara. Tell us about the trajectory from Wounded Warrior, Wounded Wife to this book, Four Faces of Femininity. How did it come about? Well, I've been working on the Four Faces of Femininity, this book, for 12 years. But in the meantime... I've also been running a support group for wives of wounded warriors and caregivers because we say um, love heals and where there's a wounded warrior, there's a wounded wife. And in helping these women, and I wanted to, they all want role models and they're all trying to decide how they can grow through this challenge. So we were always looking at women like who, who's a role model for you? Who's a mentor? Who's a woman you respect? And so uh, often women have a hard time finding that. So this is, was another reason to write Four Faces of Femininity because there's so many women out there and I wanted women to have a mirror to look in to see what they relate to and how they can change the world. Um, so it the two books of kind of relate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. They give yeah. us inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I love, um, back to the Madam C.J. Walker, she says, don't sit down and wait for the opportunities to come, get up and make them. She was not only the first black millionaire, she was the first woman, white or black millionaire in the United States. And if that doesn't give you inspiration and guts, and some of these women like Madam C.J. Walker, I wrote about, no one had heard of, but now there is a Netflix movie about her. So you can Google Madam C.J. Walker and watch the story of her life. It's a documentary on Netflix. So some of the women in the Four Face of Femininity we've heard about, like Eleanor Roosevelt and um, Marilyn Monroe, and some of these women we haven't heard about. So it's kind of a mixture. I think that it's very interesting, uh, the paradox that uh, Madam C.J. Walker, for example, didn't have a lot of role models and disregarded that, um, sort of said, uh, okay, I'm, listen, it's going to be one foot in front of the other. I'm learning as I'm going. Um, And she is, we are the beneficiary of her experience. But these were people who were forging without the guidebook. And I think it's just as interesting to look at that as it is to look at this dynamic of how we need role models and how they form us. Uh, I think it's incredibly important. Look at you even um, referring back to your grandmother and going back to your roots in Ireland. I think it sounds like you came alive there. You're dancing with horsemen. I mean, there's something really vital about the energy that comes out of that story in your life. Was she a role model for you? Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. and so 
we talk about even Roots, you know, the movie Roots, Black History. It's important that black women and men know their history and their roots, but it's important that all of us know our roots. Um, I happen to be Irish. When I went back to Ireland, I found in the DNA that strength of the fighting Irish, and I do feature um, some of the women, the Irish women. Um, there's um, a pirate queen in the book that I'm related to, um, McNally, and she had this strength to fight and in a time when women really weren't usually in that role. So I think going back to our roots, no matter what our roots are, we can find in our DNA some of the strength that we need to tap into when we go through difficult times. So um, I'm happy that I had the opportunity to go back to Ireland. Not all of us can go physically back to our roots, but we can still read about them and ask our family questions and, and find that inner strength. Well, it's it is it is so key, and it is part of you know the H the, the Henry Louis Gates Project roots, which um, allowed even Oprah to go back and look at her personal history and to find the strength there. Um, people who were incredibly uh, in you know in in terrible circumstances enslaved and still prevailed. I think that this idea of going back to your roots, and you profile also the Celtic Queen Bodica. Uh, and the Pirate Queen of Ireland, Grace O'Malley, um, these must have given you tremendous juice uh, as as a woman um, and kind of given you a reignited spirit after um, the dissolution of your your marriage and uh, maybe new uh, motivation to go on and to decide for yourself a fate. It seems to me that one of the implications of your book, Four Faces of Femininity, um, and tell me if this is correct, is that if you aim at a desired archetype archetype that you emulate, uh, warrior, lover, uh, sage, or, you know, um, that you can become that if you so desire. Is that something that you think is true if you apply your energies to it? Absolutely. I think today most of us are multifaceted like a diamond. We're, we're juggling being a mom, having a career, wanting to contribute to society. And some, it's a very complicated life and more challenging, but it's more fulfilling. And I wanted, I write about what I want to learn about and I want more balance and integration in my life. So, This is why I write about these um, inspirational women, and I'm balancing being a mother. I'm a mother and a grandmother and caring as a physical therapist. I'm balancing the lover. I don't want to lose that that zest for life, that passion, um, because that's depression if we're not excited about life or we turn into an old curmudgeon, as I said before. Um, And then the warrior, working with wives of wounded warriors, I, and other women, it's that ability to set a goal and the grit. It's great to have a passion, like to write a book or to make a change in the world, but it's the grit. It's the goal setting that actually makes it happen. That's the warrior in us. And back to Eleanor Roosevelt, she says, make a plan and work your plan. So the warrior in us makes it. And then the sage is intuitively knowing what's important to us and where we want to make the difference. Um mm-hmm. And I gave examples of different women who wanted to make differences in different ways. So it is a challenge. Uh, Do you want to share how you balance the four faces of femininity or how you're integrating them in your life? Um, I'm sure your listeners would love to hear. 
I mean, I think it's very interesting. Um, the PTSD remark uh, you made earlier and healing from it, um, that can easily be, obviously, uh, women as well um, have integrated uh, trauma into our lives. We have um, my, you know, experience um, coming back from, um, you know, a, a very early um, adoption when I was adopted from an orphanage and separated from my mother. And this has been a tremendous healing process over the last 18 years. So I, I do identify with just about each of these uh, these female categories, I, I especially I especially though feel that the sage this tapping into and maybe this is what I need at this point this idea uh, as you say of turning off the news and going within our society almost refutes that um, we haven't much time uh, to do that to think even and I think what we're experiencing now with COVID nineteen is a slowing down and time on our hands and it's given us uh, the ability to go back in and maybe journal maybe start a paragraph of something we wanted to write or create a new goal for ourselves and in doing so you know set an agency for our lives so I feel as though you know I experience it uh, that way I also very much experienced um, you know the the lover uh, the lover archetype in your book and the sense of generativeness and creativity I think that that can be not only enormously healing, but it reduces the shame, uh, which is at the root of uh, PTSD uh, in terms of having experienced some horrific circumstance out of our um, control. You know, the definition of trauma is that which we cannot process in which we're helpless to act. So I think that, you know, this expressiveness that you're driving at is extremely important as uh, an agent in terms of personal change. You you have a Facebook quote that I loved. Um, you quote Rumi, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field and I will meet you there. Uh, and you acknowledged in your introduction that you strayed from your marriage. And I, I wondered if this gave you special insight or even permission to go places um, that you wouldn't ordinarily. We have a few minutes left if you want to just comment or delve into that a bit. Well, I think nobody wants to read a story about somebody's perfect life, right? That's boring. Perfect Mm -hmm. is boring. And I'm glad you shared your story. And sharing our stories is what connects us. And I guess I'd like to end with Gloria Steinem's quote. She says, to write is to bring an inner voice into the outer world, to believe that our thoughts are worth entering the thinking of others, and to make real what has never existed in quite the same way. And everyone has a story to tell, and not very many people tell it. So I encourage the audience out there to tell their stories, along with the shadows and the mistakes and the regrets and the trauma, because that's what connects us. And overcoming those mistakes and regrets and trauma and growing from them is what gives others inspiration. Right. You're absolutely right. It's our shared humanity, uh, the imperfection of it all. And I I do recall that with Oprah, she read Maya Angelou's um, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings about her incest uh, and rape. And it delivered her out of her uh, 
cape of shame. So I think it is important to examine the, the shadow side. When we come back, we're going to look at the uh, essential creativity that comes from the lover archetype. And we'll be back with Barbara McNally just in 30 seconds. So don't go away. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to ddewey at truenordmedia.com. That's the letter D, dewey at trunordmedia.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Barbara McNally, author of Four Faces of Femininity. But there's something very universal about this subject and the text of archetypes. And I think it's something that's going to tap into both genders um, and as well as all ages. Uh, we we were speaking before the break, um, Barbara alluded to Gloria Steinem, who I also thought had an extremely important point in saying that she just wants women to be able to look at life as a whole when you think about, uh, and not as a half, not as a half empty glass, um, but a whole, a whole realm of possibility. And clearly African-American women uh, have perhaps even further to go um, in being able to not have to fragment themselves, not have to cut themselves off from possibility. Uh, and we support and stand with this. But also that Gloria Steinem was saying this in reference to the fact that she hoped that someday a feminist, the word feminism, wouldn't have to exist. That everyone would have the same sense of possibility about life, which, um, you know, is really the goal. It's really the, the shared goal. We were also talking about uh, humanity and imperfection. And Anais Nin, the quintessential lover in this book, 
uh, four faces of femininity, was uh, imbued with creativity and a believer in mystery. She said, the possession of knowledge does not kill the sense of wonder and mystery. There's always more mystery. And of course, she went on to explicitly uh, and paradoxically document her intimate life with um, the likes of Henry Miller, uh, Gore Vidal, Edmund Wilson, James Agee. Um, Barbara McNally does a great job of documenting this. Um, and she was thought of as bold, liberated, and adventurous when she opened the door on important taboo subjects, including extramarital affairs, illegal abortions, and even incest. Things that cause the, in, the cowed and maybe intimidated person to stay silent perhaps for their whole lives, um, which only festers their sense of trauma. So this enabling women to speak about these subjects, it's something that Barbara McNally, I think, has shared her gift, both with the book and with her workshops on the Wounded Warrior. I wondered, Barbara, because you are uh, professionally a uh, physical therapist, do you think that uh, memory and trauma is stored at a cellular physical level? And do you work with that in your practice? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and back to Anais Nin, um, I, she's the first lady of erotica. Um, she was writing about sex and from a woman's point of view, way before Fifty Shades of Grey came out. And it was way more controversial back when she was writing. And sometimes she even had to write under a man's name. But I'm so happy you brought up Anais Nin because a lot of people have not heard of her. But I love her work. And yes, she's she's. I would definitely recommend her books. And yes, she speaks about sex, sensuality from a woman's point of view. And it's it's part of talk about trauma. It's sexuality and sensuality is part of us. And it's a taboo to really talk about it. Even today, you know, it, we talk about violence, but even with the military, you know, we can, they can go shoot somebody, but dare we ever show them a topless picture of a woman like that's banned. You know? So violence is okay in America, but sex isn't. So that taboo is still there. I think even, but so I really, I'm really glad you brought up Anais Nin. Um, that's a, 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 she's probably my favorite woman in the book. And she does explore her sensuality, and it's through the senses that we learn. It's through the senses that we gather impressions and have feelings and emotions and passions and feelings of emancipation or liberation or, um, you know, confinement and being stultified, but all of those things. And if you can't express yourself in the intimate sexual realm, in the erotic realm, then you really do live a truncated life. So I think, you know, when you're dealing with physical therapy, I'm sure there's a lot of that working through um, into some of the lover archetype that we may have been cut off from uh, because of ver- because of traumatic experiences. Do you do you have that? Is a is that your sense? Yes, it. Yes, in the book Wounded Warrior, Wounded Wife, there is a chapter called Battlefield to the Bedroom, and it's about the. That's another important issue when a man comes home, whether police force or military with trauma, how is he going to transfer that into the bedroom, you know, and how do you get that intimacy back after your husband's gone through such trauma at war or 
violence on the streets. It's, it is very complicated, and we had a sex therapist at our caregivers' um, meetings that women can openly talk about sexuality and how, how they deal with it with their husbands. And it's something that's such a taboo. You know, thank God Sex in the City came out that, you know, finally people were like, oh, women care about sex too. And um, yeah, it's kind of coming out of the closet now that women can talk about their sexuality. Um, so yes, it's a very big part of Wounded Warrior, Wounded Wife. And I think that um, the, you know, the equivalent is uh, power, money, right? It's sex, power, money. These are the things that women need to get comfortable with because that is when you're firing on all cylinders, you're, you, you've got those things. You are unafraid and unapologetic to say, I want that. And I think that here, you know, here you've got Isabella Lende. Um, well, it's actually in, in your passage about Aphrodite uh, as, as the lover. Um, and Isabella Lende said that lust and gluttony were the only two sins worth committing. Um, so, of course, this is hysterical. But I, I, you know, I think it's interesting because, as you say, women do need permission. Um, and if it's a female person, a soldier who's gone on to the battlefield or a female a police officer, same difference. You know, you you risk numbing yourself and being cut off from these very vital uh, and empowering um, energies in your life. Um, I I really I thought this was such an eye opening book uh, for faces of femininity. It's a, a way to see yourself and others in your life. And you you talk about how the archetypes are also a way that people you know perceive you. Um, and what's balance of seeing yourself and how others see you through the lens of archetypes. I mean, do you regularly check in with yourself uh, in terms of calibrating where you are with these archetypes, mother, lover, warrior, and sage? Absolutely. I think balance is a verb. We're always balancing and we're never, we're rarely completely balanced, but it's fun and more fulfilling life to, to, not let any of these archetypes die. If the lover dies, you know, it's, it's a sad, sad day. And Mother Teresa, surprisingly, is in the mother section because she loved what she did. She had a passion for her work. And she said, we can't all do great things, but we can all do small things with a great amount of love. And whatever your passion is out there, I want you to keep that going. And that's really important. So I think the lover is so important, and I'm glad you spent a lot of time on that archetype. Well, also, um, the gift of love, when you talk about, you profiled Lady Diana Spencer, um, and she, you know, Lady Di, she was a kindergarten school teacher when she married Prince Charles. I mean, she was really not, um, she did not have a whole lot of professional background and then entered a realm where you just don't need it because your role is your profession. But she talks about giving love. That was her job. She decided that her role would be um, to simply offer love to people. And uh, Mother Teresa as well, I remember a quote of, you know, I'd rather, you know, die in uh, in someone's, uh, you know, my goal is that, that, that a person dies in my arms, not in the streets of Calcutta. Um, and I think that that, that sense of offering love is such a powerful um, and I think unfortunately overlooked as uh, and one of the ones that you revived in uh, Four Faces of Femininity 
the book just out from um, She Writes Press and um, available where books are sold. You mentioned Eleanor Roosevelt, and I really um, am drawn to her. She is the person, the only person I noticed in the book uh, who uh, carried on a same-sex relationship. Um, It was revealed um, through letters that uh, emerged after her death. Um, And she's the one who's credited with saying, no one can make you feel inferior inferior without your consent. Um, This dynamic of power, responsibility for yourself also seems to have to do with you know, establishing yourself as, for example, a warrior archetype, because you talk about grit, Barbara, and I wondered if you thought that was the difference between women who maybe have these aspects, but stay theoretical, and women who go ahead and accomplish things. What are the things, what makes the difference in that? Right. Well, I think it is all four faces because, like you said, during this COVID-19 shutdown, people have had time to think and reevaluate. That's the sage. What matters in my life? And think about what is your passion. For Princess Diana, during the AIDS um, crisis, she made a big difference because she went in and she held their hands and she hugged because at that time they thought AIDS could be transmitted by touching someone. So I think this is a good time for people to think what really matters to them. What is their passion? And that's tapping into the sage. What really do I care about? Because if we don't care about it, we're not going to do a very good job of it. That goes, once we find out what we really care about, then the grit, the warrior comes in. As you've written a book and I've written three, we know it takes a lot of grit to write a book, a lot of work, a lot of detail. And if you don't have that original passion and you don't know what you want to write about or what you care about, you can't make that, can't tap into that warrior to actually make it happen. Because as you know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> well, and you talk about, you know, know thyself. So this is a really uh, passage into that uh, learning experience. I do think that um, Princess Diana, she connected, and she connected with a group of people, um, HIV sufferers, with whom she did not share experience. And this, I think, goes back again to understanding Black Lives Matters, uh, Black Lives Matter. We don't have to have the experience to have the empathy and to stand together and to offer support and even love so and empathy for, for them uh, in this journey that I think um, we're catapulted uh, toward. You talk also um, in your book, there are at the end of every chapter, there are questions to workshop with yourself or with others. And I wondered what you considered your mission in life to be. We're down to just a couple minutes. And I will tell you that you can find Barbara McNally on her Facebook, uh, Barbara K. McNally, Instagram, uh, Barbara K. McNally, and her website, the book is Four Faces of Femininity. Um, Barbara, tell me, do you see yourself as a teacher in life or just in a few words, what is your mission and passion? Thank you. I see myself as a healer and a teacher, and I'm happy to attend any bookshops, book bookstores. Um, I speak at women's gatherings, and we use this workbook as a workbook to help women find their passion and live out a multifaceted life. And that's my mission now. So thank you. It's, it's so great. There are so many layers to all of us. And I think that you've given us the means to understand that maybe by giving us some simple um, working thoughts uh, about ourselves, but mostly to deliver us into a place of passion, mission, 
sense of belonging and purpose. So we're going to end this week with just the message of stay strong, be well, see the four faces of femininity and develop your warrior lover, sage and mother. Thanks very much for dropping in. And thank you very much, Barbara McNally. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.